Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Happy Friday, Stevie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. How are you? Also well. My coffee is lukewarm, just how I like it. And and we are here. Also how I how I like us. <laughs> trying to show you my, my toy and it's a um it's a, it's a little thing and I put my coffee on it and keeps it warm. Oh, that's nice. And a little coffee heater. Coffee, coffee it keeps it, I assume, at an ideal temperature. At an ideal temperature, so I can drink my coffee for a long time because I'm oh. I'm a slow drinker. As am I. Stays at a nice temperature consistently right. Consistent. until I finished. Oh, wow. Are you doing an Happy ad days. for it? Your your voiceover no. there. That was beautiful. <laughs> Stays at a consistent temperature until I'm finished. Anyways. Well, you and I could both do it. I think we should team up. Yeah, we should create do a, a production company. We, we should just this. do voiceover commercials, the two of us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and people of all ages, welcome to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Today's star date is Star Date 2150305.8. And we're discussing Star Trek Picard, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Stardust City Rag. Does anyone else think it's Stardust City Rag? I mean, now I can't not. Mm, because indeed. you did that. It's Stardust City Limits. Never mind, it's, it's a great song. It's never mind, it's a great song. Uh, and never mind, it's a great app. It's a great episode. It is a great app, yeah. We get, uh, we get a whole lot of a certain character that we're all very thrilled was involved in the... Should, we should, you know what, let's Spoiler just... Because it starts with... Let's just do it. Who do we have, Aki? At the, as you may recall, at the end of the last episode, uh, a certain character beamed aboard and then passed out. That was none other than. It's seven of nine. Seven of nine. Jerry Ryan herself returning mm. to the small screen, uh, reprising her role as seven of nine, only now uh, long of hair and. Uh, much more, I would say, like human-ish, hmm. a little more badass. She's pissed. She's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's a lot. To, there's a lot to unpack there, and uh, of course, and uh, and uh, you know what? We'll unpack it for the whole episode. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Start up Picard. There we go. Thank you. I think it's better when you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about uh, episode four, Stardust City Rag. And we begin with a flashback 13 years ago. On the planet Vergessen, I guess. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> On the planet Vergessen in the Hypatia system, 
um, a a person is strapped to a table and they're looking around and there's blood everywhere and then someone rips their eye out with an eye thing and they scream there's no anesthetic and when they pull the eye out we see that it's connected to some some borg implants so this is a borg and we see actually that the borg is brunali big nosy thing Mm -hmm. with the yes exactly and uh you know in star trek they're really like that's they're like this is an alien it's either ears nose forehead (laughs) (laughs) or reptilian or, or yes, the rep. Well, we have a rep. Yes, indeed. Anyway, he's being ripped apart by some weird scientists, and then someone shows up, and he's uh, huh, and they go bejazel, and then instead, pew pew, out of the darkness, both scientists who are about to cut this guy even more up. Yes, face of fire. Pew pew. Uh, show up, and, and they die, and then who should emerge from the darkness but a thirteen years previous. Seven of nine. It's seven of nine. Should we do the big one? I think we should save the big one for the ending, if you catch my drift. Okay, so seven of nine. We would have been friends as five-year-olds. I think that's self-evident. And it would have sounded the same. Seven shows up and she's like, oh, no. Uh, what have they done to you? He's like, you gotta go now. And I don't know. She says that it's Echeb then. I didn't, I wrote down Echeb because I knew. She says Echeb, right? So you know it's Echeb. That's Echeb, yeah. Which is uh, kind of interesting because we, the last, the, all kinds of throws forward, but the last um, watch party that we did, teleparty, was Voyager nice. episodes and they were from mm. the last season and they both had Echeb. They did have Sort of Echeb. prominently figured in them. Uh, although, she was skiving off work and Echeb was covering. Yeah, because she was uh, getting, you know, her rocks off with old... Uh, Human Chakotay. error, I believe that was, was yeah. called. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's having, she was having book times with uh, imaginary Jakarta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Echeb is like, you got to go. She's like, I'll stay with you. He says, no, you got to leave now. So she, like, puts him out of her misery, and then she says, you know, I'm sorry, my child. Mm-hmm. And then, boom. Smash cut to now-ish, and it's Bruce Maddox, and he's shown up in a place, and he asks for Bejazel, and oh no, someone says to this character that we now know is Bejazel because they go Bejazel, and she turns around, and she goes, "What?" And they go, "Bruce Maddox is here," and she goes, "Oh, too bad, kill him," and then she goes, "Wait, I have a better idea," and then she shows up, and she's like, "Oh, hey, Bruce," and he's like, "Oh, the Tal Shiar ruined my lab, and everything's all screwed up and stuff, and I'm sorry, I can't pay you back the money from your loan," and she's like. Oh, it's cool. Here, have a drink. And he's like, oh, thanks. Glug, 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 glug. And she's like, who did it? And he's like, oh, the town Shiar. She's like, oh, that makes things interesting. And then he's like, huh, cough, 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 collapse. That's pretty accurate. And that, that's the cold open. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, I may have listened to the last episode. You know, like every like five or six episodes, I listen to a full episode of you our do. show. And I realize how manic my storytelling is. Yeah. <laughs> you do an excellent job of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making it seem like I'm not an insane person, but there's a lot of voices that I don't remember doing. Oh, get, I love yeah. them. Woo. Entertains me. Uh, yeah. I was listening to the last episode and I was like, it's like five discreet people. All right. So we begin the episode proper. Uh, Picard is in his fake chateau on the ship, La Sirena, and seven comes in and He's like, oh, Seven, are you feeling better? And she's like, yes, I feel better. And he's like, can I offer you a drink, wine, some other fancy things? She goes, bourbon straight up. 
And they, she like guzzles the pour that he gives her right away, knocks her right back. They have a sort of a brief discussion that lets you know what Seven has been up to. She's part of the Fenris Rangers, who apparently have been in this sector, sort of, they stepped up to to help with the evacuation when Starfleet stopped. And they have been sort of like a vigilante justice for the sector, kind of fighting against the Tal Shiar and uh, other powers that be. And Picard does not quite seem to approve of, of their methods. He appreciates their mission, but he thinks they take the law into their own hands. And, and he says that to Seven, and Seven says, what law? And he says, touche. Uh, and she says, what the hell are you doing out here, Picard? And he's like, oh, I'm trying to help somebody who couldn't help themselves, and she may have de- end up dead without me. And she goes, hmm, tell me more. Uh, meanwhile, Rafi is doing some research, and Rios comes up, and they talk. and. Basically, Rafi, <laughs> Rios is upset that Seven and Picard are talking. He's like, he has no idea what they're talking about. And Rafi mentions that they both are ex-Borg, which is technically true, uh, because uh, Picard was Locutus, you know, the was supposed to be the lieutenant, the, the second in command of all Borg in the Alpha Quadrant. And um, and actually, nine, Seven of Nine was, was uh, assimilated when she was young, a child. And that becomes uh, something of note later on in the episode. So, Jean Fille. Jean Fille. When she was a Jean Fille, as Picard says in his evil Picard getup with the, with the, when we get disguises later. Mm. I didn't think his French accent was that convincing, which oh, was no, surprising. Oh, no, it was awful. I think it was it deliberately was supposed was to it? be over the top. All right. Yeah. It's so. interesting to note, though, that as I recall in the first season pilot of TNG, it was debated whether he would use a French accent the whole time. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was also Apparently. debated whether he would have hair. It was debated whether he would have hair. I'm so glad they went with the choices they went with. Indeed. Ooh, Picard with hair. Um, Gerati in the mean Gerati in the meantime. <laughs> Doctor Gerati, in the meantime, is in her quarters, uh, looking at some old video of her and Bruce Maddox. And he's showing her that he baked cookies and she's laughing about it. And then they eat the cookies and they kind of like half make out or something. So anyway, now we know their relationship was not purely professional. If you catch my drift. We you catch my drift? Okay. All right. Yeah, that's right. They were smooching. And um, so obviously <laughs> she has some feelings. They arrive at Free Cloud. And they are connected by the planetary to the planetary net, and the ship is flooded with advertisements because it's like a casino planet. And so there's like ads for Rios, and there's ads for Picard for to have high tea at some restaurant, and there's ads for Rafi to have to get a little snake bit, you know, do her snake weed or whatever that stuff is called. And for Gerardi, there's a thing about fighting robots, which I didn't fully understand. But anyway, she punches a holographic robot's head off. You'd think it was it was supposed to be a targeted ad. Why Maybe it's about robots. Possibly? I guess, yeah, because she's a cybernetics person, I guess. Hmm. Targeted ads like Amazon, I suppose. Preach. Um, so Rafi's able to find out where Maddox is, but it's not as simple as as we know, because we saw the cold open. Maddox has been taken captive by this Bejazel. Uh, Bejazel. I cannot believe that that is her name. Have you? Um, yes. In the, you do yes. know what a... Okay. And yes. And okay. yes. Just checking. And that is why... <laughs> I was like, you didn't run this by anybody. 
<laughs> must be somebody British who works on that show. Yeah, you would think, but uh, in any Is case. Is it an American thing as well? I thought it was just British. I don't know if it's an American thing, but um, I do know some Americans who know about it. I have heard it. It's mostly British people that I know who. In case, listener, you are not familiar with what on earth we were talking about, we were talking about the term vajazzle. Please translate. Now, I'm not going to explain what it is. You can just go and Google that yourself. Nor am I going to explain what it is. You can Google that. Go have fun with that word. Please please, uh, make sure your kids are asleep and your boss is out of the room. And then go ahead and Google vajazzle. 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 Oh, oh, by the way, Google Images. That'll really set you right. No, don't. Why would you do that? I'm sorry. Oh goodness! Um, sorry. Star, never, ever look. Rule of thumb outside of 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 Star Trek Picard or this podcast. <laughs> rule of thumb: if you're googling something, never start with images. Never, <laughs> ever start with images. Especially if it's medical. Yeah, if you don't, if it's not a like a person you know or like a, a monument, you just never start with it. <laughs> never do it. Never start with images. Okay. Where was I? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, her name is Bejazel. <laughs> so it makes oh, that's me, right. That's it how makes we went off on I'll try not to uh, find it purely, purely funny. She's only in one episode, so we only have to get through this. That's true. And and they, and they call her Jay, which is a mm. lot better. But it's very hard to forget Bejazel when you hear it too many times. Because initially I heard Bejazel, which was so similar. Yeah, exactly. Bejazel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fine. Fine, fine. Okay, so this Bejazel character has Bruce Maddox and is looking for a, quote, facer, which is sort of an intermediary go-between to help her sell or trade Maddox to the Tal Shiar who want him. A broker. A broker, yes. They call them facers, I guess, because they meet face-to-face. They do your face for you. Um. If you want to do some skullduggery, cloak and dagger stuff. So Rafi's able to hack into the net and, and hack the mainframe and all the stuff that hackers do. And she's like, okay, I've got us a meeting, but we need something we can't pay. We can't trade what we do. And the seven says something goes, oh, I know who Bajazel is. We can give her something she wants, something that she would give anything for. And they go, who setting her up? And she knocks it out of the park. She says, me. So, uh, now begins probably my favorite part of this episode. The plan. I love a good caper, and this is this is totally got the caper thing. Like the capers happening, but also you flash back to when they're talking about how to do the caper. But essentially, it revolves around <laughs> them pretending they have seven hostage, and she's wearing uh like handcuffs that if she pushes them together she can get out of them and also she has a pad pattern uh like uh what do you call it enhancer that allows them to when they get to bruce maddox they can like zip out of there all five of them despite the security net but first they have to go down and pretend to be facers so they send in rios as a facer and picard is like the evil bounty hunter so they're wearing ridiculous disguises and i wouldn't even know how to describe what they make rios wear he looks sort of like he looks um, like a pimp he looks like a like, but like a pimp at a child's birthday party or something. It's absurd. I thought he looked like one of the pimps from Crocodile Dundee. Sure, 
that's Remember that works that? too. <laughs> yes, yeah. sadly, an eighties pimp, not just mm-hmm. a regular pimp, but an, mm-hmm. a nineteen eighties pimp. Nineteen eighties, yes, Hollywood cartoon level pimp. In yeah. fact, that's not enough because as they're discussing it, Rafi's like, "You now, you you got the clothes and you go down there, but you can't be like a brooding saddle spaceman. You got to be like one of these facers. You got to be flamboyant and big, and, and you got to have over the top." And 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 Seven says. You need a feather in your cap. So they put a ridiculously long bird feather in his hat and he goes in. Well, fortunately, he's able to have his signature cigar as he walks into the club and he says, hey, I'm Rios and he orders a drink. I think it's called a Temptibi Lagoon. And he goes with two umbrellas and he's supposed to meet a Mr. Vup when he's there. So back to we find out that um, Bejazel has several people in her employ, and one of them is one of these uh, uh, Beta Anari, which is sort of like a sentient lizard, which apparently can smell when you're lying and when you're nervous and the last thing you ate and if you've had sex with anybody. Like just a lot of receptors. Yeah, kind of like Linus with from Discovery with with, uh, Bands of Light. Indeed. Hmm. So they're like, you know, if you're lying, you sweat. If yeah, you've yeah, had yeah. sex, you've got pheromones going off. If, yeah, and obviously what you've eaten. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, they, Rafi's like, you should stay away from this guy. But it turns out the Mr. Vup that he's there to meet, that is the facer for Bejazel, is Mr. Vup is, yeah, I know. It makes me want to just keep arranging my glasses nervously every time I say Bejazel. Um, is, <laughs> is, every um, time you say it, I have to snicker. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to. Uh, anyway. Uh, hot under the collar, Bemis. Uh, yes, I get a bit, um, I feel a bit. Um, um, so I feel a bit um, and I won't finish the sentence. So he is to talk to this <laughs> Vup, and the Vup thinks that he's there to trade to the Tal Shiar. But then Rios is like, no, I got something even better. And he shows him the scan of nines, uh, of sevens. I keep calling her nines because of nine, which we'll get to later of Seven's implants, and they're like, whoa, that's a lot of implants, because Bejazel's whole thing is that she likes to find Borg and cut them up and use their parts and sell them because they they go for so much money there because the Romulans in the sector dig them for some reason, uh, which is part of why the artifact is a big deal. Uh, nota bene, we don't even mention the artifact in this episode. Uh, so he's there, he gets the interest of this Mr. Vup, uh, Anari, uh, Beta Anari, and so they bring down Seven and Seven's handler, the evil uh, handler, is Picard with a scar on his cheek and an eye patch and an awful French accent. Mm. Like way over the top. Um, and he he plays it to the hilt. He's like a, just a snide, awful, gross, piratey kind of man. He's like, oh, ball got so disgusting. You know, like the... His accent's better than that, but not much. <laughs> not uh, much. Not much better than that. I mean, I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, that's probably the kind of French accent I would do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not, it's, 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 well, it happened. It's good fun. I forgot to mention, this is a Frakesy episode, so obviously this is all done. Makes sense. Beautiful cuts, and it's very fun and funny, and when problems come up, you flash back to Rafi saying, whatever you do, don't do this, and whatever you do, do do this. So they're doing all that, and they get the the interest, and that's where that goes. So now we switch to our B-plot line, Rafi, because remember, she's like, just take me to Freak, Freak, 
cloud and take me to free cloud. And that's it. That's all I want. I don't want to be part of your stupid mission, JL. So she is looking up somebody named Gabriel Huang and she leaves the ship and she goes to the Stardust City Reproductive Services area and she sees the person she's been looking up. He's a young man. She walks up. She introduces herself. It quickly becomes evident that this is her estranged son. And she tries to convince him that she's clean, that she's traveled all this way to be with him again, that she's sorry for having lost her way, but that she's back. He's sort of not interested in any kind of reconciliation, <clears throat> but he seems like he might be slightly on the fence. He says, so what? Or at least he's like, tell me about, like, do you no longer believe in your crazy conspiracy theory that the whole thing with Mars was a conspiracy? And he eggs her on and she eventually erupts and says, like, it, it is still a conspiracy. I still believe that that's true. And so that kind of, that ends that whole thing. Obviously, she traveled all this way to try and meet up with her son. And her son, who is who's, uh, married, I guess, I don't know. That's, a, that's an assumption that uh, is a Judeo-Christian descendant of Puritans, I assume. Maybe not married. But anyway, his partner is with child, which is why they're at the reproductive services area. And that partner comes out. It's a Romulan, and apparently the child is a girl, and Rafi it gets introduced by her son, but her son insists that Rafi can't stay, and it doesn't seem like the partner knows quite exactly what's going on with the relationship between the son and mother kind of situation, but he goes, great, she can't stay, she's just passing through, all right, see you later, mom, gotta go, bye. And so Rafi is left with her demons uh, unfulfilled. And that was our B plot line. Back to the bar and the caper. So they've got they've got Bejazel there, and they're they've got nine with the hood over her head, and they pull the hood off, and nine looks at Bejazel. Bejazel looks at nine, and Picard thinks the whole thing is going, and then they realize through the commentary between them that this is not merely a ruse, or in fact, that the ruse was a double blind. Because Seven knows Bejazel that what the crimes that were committed in the cold open were not merely crimes of avarice, that there was this was a betrayal of friendship, perhaps even romantic love between Bejazel and Nine. It does look a bit. I couldn't tell. There's so much tension. And I couldn't figure out in the timeline, was Bejazel like part of Fenris and then betrayed them for the money? Like they were together because that's why she knows about Icheb. And then she betrays Nine for each other. Like, I don't fully understand how their relationship, like, when it would have been, like, that they were close. But obviously they were very close. Mm. Yeah. So they are there not, Nine is there, Nine, Seven is there not merely to, to be the bait for Picard so that they can get Maddox, who is there and all beaten up and he's on the couch and he's all jacked up, but also to settle a score with Bejazel. And so uh, Seven escaped, apparently, and she is, her implants would be the most uh, profitable for Jay. And just as they, that this is all realized, Seven snaps out of her restraints and puts her hands around Jay's neck and forces her, all her people to put their guns down and they're at a standoff there. Anyway, check, Picard checks in with Bruce. Bruce is okay. He's like a little out of it. He looks like he's been having the snot kicked out of him. And Seven says, okay, here, take the enhancer and leave me behind. I got a, a score to settle. And, and Jay says, yeah, she's trying to kill me. And Picard's like, well, wait, 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 wait. Why are you trying to kill? Why would you kill? 
And then nine, seven tells him all about Icheb and how he was, you know, basically like a, a well, she says like a, a, a child, a son, which I guess is true. Their relationship was, I would call it more sibling-esque in Voyager, but you know. Mm, true. It was very mentory. I suppose. It was very mentory, but they tease each other. Anyway, I understand. They were, they was close as hell. And she basically cut him up without anesthetic or killing him first. Like while he was alive, they were ripping his, his uh, implants out. And uh, I got to say, I mean, I love Picard, but kind of on seven side here, someone brutally mutilates and tortures someone purely for profit. And you got your hands back on them. It's going to be hard to be like, you know what? Revenge is not worth it. I'm out of here. But So Picard's uh, attempt to like dissuade Seven from killing uh, Bejazel right then and there does not really work. However, as they're having this conversation, the bet the Beta Anari, the reptile that works for Bejazel, uh, tries to pull like a secreted weapon that's like a one of those sleeve gun things out to shoot. But before you can do that, Rios, who is still there and has been communicating with Jurati via a mic hidden inside of the cigar, I love it. Uh, fires on the Beta Anari, Mr. Vup. Pew, pew. Two in the shoulders. Knocks him down. He's out cold. Maybe dead? I don't know. Couldn't tell. And then he walks over and he says, listen, Seven, I get what you're saying. I'm hip to the revenge thing, but if you kill her, then there's going to be a bounty on all our heads. I don't care. But the old man and the kid, as he refers to Picard, and, uh-oh, forgot the kid's name. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Elnor. Killer Rom- Elnor. Elnor. Killer Romulan. Killer, Romulan. Killer, Killer, Killer warrior, warrior Romulan, Romulan Nun. Nun. Say it with us, everybody. Uh, he's like, if you do that, these two, they'll be they'll be eating up for breakfast out here, basically. And so that sort of convinces her that maybe she shouldn't do this right now because putting the bounty on Picard. She's she's driven to to have this vengeance, but she doesn't want to do it right there. I thought that was an amazing moment. And then Picard's like, listen, uh, let's go. And, and Rio says, look, you found her once. You can find her again. And Seven, go, you know, kind of like thinks about that. And it's like, yeah, okay, let's get out of here. So, boom, they leave, right? They go back to the ship. Gerardi, who was in charge of doing the, the, the transporter thing, gets them onto the ship. Uh, they take Maddox, who's completely jacked up, over to sickbay. And Picard's like, Rios, let's get the hell out of here as soon as possible. And then... Picard's like, listen, Seven, I know it didn't work out for you, but we can offer you a ride. At the very least, as thanks for helping us find Maddox. And she says, hey, the Rangers have already sent my new ship for me, but if you don't mind, I would like to take a couple phase rifles. Uh, rifles uh, you know, someone like me could use weapons like that any given day. Picard's like, all right, sure. Although I don't think those rifles were his to give. I think they belong to Rios, but whatever. He is like, sure. And then... We didn't, Picard didn't see this, but we see it, that she takes the little pattern enhancer that Gerardi used to beam them up and, and palms it so that, uh, well, so that. Before she leaves, she and Picard share words and they question whether or not it's easy to recover one's, quote, humanity once they've been part of the Borg Collective and that it's a struggle every day to do so. And then she beams back down to the planet unbeknownst to anybody, kills two of uh, Jay's attendants. She makes everyone else clear the room. She talks to Jay back and forth. She's like, he was like a son to me. This is for him. She 
Jay tries to stall by being like, it's like the old times when you had hope and I stole the hope from you because she's obviously waiting for her second wave of security to arrive. And Seven says, I know your second wave is coming and this is for each half. Boom, shoots her. She completely disapparates. Pew, 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 pew. And then all the people show up and Seven is just like, let's do this. Dun, dun, dun. She just walks out very casually. She's got fire coming out her everywhere. And she's like, yeah, because she's seven or nine. She don't give a damn. And that is why we would now like to reveal to you our theme for Seven of Nines, utter badassness, and why I have trouble remembering the seven of her name. Stevie, if you would. Here's the drop. So good. Oh man, that's my best work to date. Period. End of story of all the things I've ever made music to do. There's no argument. I will never reach the height that I did with that seven of nine, that 30 second seven of nine jam. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so seven of nine, the last we see of her, she is shooting her way out through overwhelming forces very calmly, having achieved vengeance for Ejeb. Correct, Eric. It's sick. Uh, so back to the sick bay. Maddox is talking to Picard. He's asking Picard if, if Dodge is dead. Picard says, yeah, Dodge is dead. Picard asks Maddox, like, why did you make them? And, and so on and so forth. And he asks her, is there a sister? And Maddox says, there is a sister. The sister's name is Soji. She's on the artifact, which is the Borg cube. And the reason I sent one of them to Earth and one of them to the Borg cube is to find out the truth about the band because he too believes that there is some hidden truth and that it's not just the Romulans. The Federation might be in on it also. Hit me with a dun-dun-dun, would you? You want a dun-dun-dun? I sure do. Yeah, that's right. We kind of knew that, but it's still exciting to hear. And then uh, Gerardi, who's been listening on the conversation, she says, oh, look, he needs to rest, Jean-Luc. And Jean-Luc says, okay, great. You rest, computer help you. You've got all this internal bleeding and stuff like that, but I think you'll be okay. And he leaves. So Picard goes to the bridge. He talks to Rios. He's like, set a course for the cube. Rios is like, it's going to be double my price. Picard's like, come on. And Rios is like, hell yeah. And then he says, you want to talk about our stowaway? And Picard walks over to a door, which obviously Rafi's behind. He knocks on it. Rafi says, go away. Picard says, welcome back under his breath. Back to Agnes and Bruce. Agnes is talking to Bruce, who comes back, and he's like, oh, Agnes, it was like a dream. Remember, they were all kissy, kissy, snoggy, snoggy, smoochy, smoochy earlier on in the episode. And he's like, oh, did you meet Daz? She's She was wonderful. And Gerard's like, no, I never got to meet her. And he says, she, they're perfect, the sisters. They're perfect. They're perfectly imperfect. And, and he says, I did it. Me and Sung and your research were invaluable in being able to create Daj and Soji. And Gerardi says, it is one more sin for much which she must atone. Say what? Uh, and he goes, what? What are you talking about? And she goes, I wish, she says, quote, I wish you knew what I know. I wish I didn't know, but I know. I wish they hadn't shown me. And then she shuts off his like life support systems and uh, the EMH, which tries to intervene on his behalf and watches him slowly die there on the slab. And that is the end of episode five of season one of Star Trek Picard. 
Pew 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 There's a traitor on board. A traitor, you hear me? And it's none other than Doctor Gerati. Indeed. Oh. Why do what 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 has she been doing? Why did she do it? Indeed. Well, what does she know that he doesn't know? Why does she wish she didn't know it? I, I mean. Who showed it to her? She, they showed it to her. She wished she hadn't shown it, but th- but they showed it to her. Who is it? Who, why? Who? Could it be? Could it be? Fum, fum, fum. Why not? Do you want me to... Yeah, I don't know. Really? I mean, uh, yeah, please. Fum! I'll sing along. Um. <laughs> what were you saying earlier about overacting? Who, me? What are you talking about? This is a com- this is a totally grounded performance. As as every mm. week, I deliver a grounded as, uh, yeah. and rational relation of how the episode went. All right, let's move on to quotable moments. Quotable, never mind. Oh. <clears throat> she just quotable moments. Yeah, but you nail it. You're like it's like pitch perfect when you do it. There, it's like it's perfect. <laughs> a good mimic. Uh, we talked about this. I only wrote down a couple of quotes. There's so many great moments in this episode. Not a lot of well, huge quotes, right? Uh, yeah, no, I stole that mm. from you. But now everyone knows there I stole you. it. Well, because I was going to steal a quote from you because I didn't have any quotable moments. I had memorable it moments. must have been cold there in my shadow. To never have sunlight on your face. <laughs> you, I thought you were going to be the wind beneath my wings here. <laughs> uh, which, which quote of mine would you like to steal well, I don't know because you didn't tell oh, me. Oh no, <laughs> I thought I did. Well, okay, let's take. No, I didn't for sure because I I don't know them. I have to read them. The one that I think is deserving of the Ojean Luke is his speech to Seven when she wants to kill Bejazel, and he says, mm. "But murder is not justice." Oh no, I'll do this as James Mason. <clears throat> he says, "But murder is not justice." There's no solace and revenge. You've had your humanity restored to you. Don't squander it now. Jean-Luc, sometimes I think the only reason I come here is to listen to these wonderful speeches of yours. And the other quotes I would say would be the back and forth between Picard and Seven right before she goes back and kills everybody. When she says, she asks him, after they brought you back from your time in the collective, do you honestly feel that you regained your humanity? Picard says, without hesitation, yes. And then Seven says, without hesitation, all of it. And then with much hesitation, Picard says, no. But we're both working on it, aren't we? And Seven says, every damn day of my life. And then a little bit of the Voyager theme plays. Oh, I didn't even notice Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to go back and listen so, to that. Thank and, you. Yeah. And then she commits murder. Uh, mm. Or exacts revenge. Commits justice. Um, there are other good quotes, but I think there's cool. The, it's more interesting to talk about the moments. What moments did you like in particular in this episode? I did quite like the sort of ridiculous dressing up thing mm-hmm. and it felt very it almost felt sort of oceans 11 as you know we had our little it's, it was very that yes yeah mm-hmm. i quite yeah. enjoyed that and and sort of rafi playing orchestrator mm-hmm. yeah i also i think what i quite liked about we you know we started to see rafi become 
essentially a hacker. Mm-hmm. And she's hacking into all of these different systems. And that's not something we've seen very physically right. like manifested in Star Trek before. Right. I think, you know, it's like it's all at a console and we've never sort of seen the, yeah, they have the like manifestation the heads up of that. Displays and stuff, and she's like moving through. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought that was cool. I loved obviously the dress up. I loved Rios. He's bad dancing when he was going in. He, yeah, his bad. Yeah, he's like, all right, <laughs> it's me. Give me that drink with two umbrellas. Um, I thought it was cute that it took the entire explanation sequence for uh, Elnor to understand what was going on. Are we lying? We're lying. You're all pretending not to be who you are. And they're all like, oh, and he goes, except for me. Why don't I get to be somebody? And they're like, he's like, I, I'm bad at being someone else. And they say, just be Elnor. And then Seven says, an Elnor that doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah. All right. And Elnor was dismayed that he didn't get something advertised to him. Yes, that's right. He's he's sort of realizing that he's sort of left out. He's like, no, they didn't send any ads to me. No, me. What about me? And why was that? Because he has no, because it's surely it's based on personality. Yeah, also. He, or is it based on what you are? are more vulnerable to i think it's probably based on i mean does he have any kind of like you know a technological footprint he's like been gathering wood and collecting water from a well for his entire life he's an orphan fair point are they going to be like hey do you want to chop wood would you like to hear about some hopeless causes you know Hmm. oh i forgot to mention it's not in my notes how could i have forgotten this in the oh no i must have written it down doesn't matter that right before Seven of Leaves, Seven Leaves, and this is an important spoiler alert, she says, if you ever need a vigilante, she gives a little chit to Picard, like a call me if you need me kind of thing, mm. which I'm sure is just one of those dangling plot threads that will never be tugged again. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Why would it be? Why would it be? Why? And it was heartbreaking to see Rafi with her son. I thought that was really sad. Uh, that was a tough, that was a tough moment again. Freaksy, you do it just right. Shall we move on to next time? Let's do it. Next time on set. Phasers. All right. Next time on set phasers, we will be discussing episode six of season one of Picard entitled Mercurially, the impossible box. So that's going to happen. Um, it may not be next week, however. We might be taking a week mm. off because we have to do some logistical, logistics. Logistic things. So we, I have to energize somewhere else. Yes, you've got to beam up and beam back down somewhere else. I Indeed. beam up, but I beam down again. You're not ever going to beam me up. Oh, um, that's not a great spoof. Uh, so we won't be having uh, we won't be doing an episode next week but we will be back the week thereafter however we are doing special a special something this Sunday for those people who are supporting us on Patreon we're having a little Indeed. a little viewing party as we do once a month usually on the first Sunday of the month yeah. and we're getting Hopefully. together and we'll, we'll uh, mm-hmm. on teleparty formerly known as Netflix party and we'll be watching an episode of TNG that we believe might become germane to the plot as we have already been introduced to Hugh. We'd like to watch the episode entitled I Borg, in which we are first introduced to Hugh. And Season 5, episode 23, indeed. first aired in 1992. Yeah, look at you. You can Google that. And uh, I think, I wonder if uh, Hugh 
That's season five. So no, so Picard is the first human that we know that has been assimilated that is completely, completely, with air quotes, returned back to themselves. But Hugh is sort of the second, right? I don't remember if we get Hugh's backstory, do we? As but, a but we know, well, right, but we know that he was Borg and has been yes. restored. And I think he's the first example of it, except for Locutus. Indeed. Right? Yeah. Yes. We'll find out, but we'll have to refresh our memories. Well, we'll find out on Sunday. And if you'd like to find out, you can support us on Patreon (laughs) and you'll get an invite. It'll be this Sunday, March 7th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We get together, we chop it up. And usually, even though we're only supposed to watch one episode, we can't help ourselves. And we watch another episode. So it might be, you know, a couple hours of kicking back and typing to each other and wishing that we were in space. Okay. <clears throat> Those are all the announcements. Indeed. Then I will simply say thank you so much for joining us. And that if you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever you get podcasts at. Yes. We are, of course, on the Facebook and the Instagram at Set Phasers Podcast. So feel free to follow along and join in the conversation of all things Trek. Meme Game Strong. I'm talking about Stevie. If you want to support Meme Game Strong, if you want to support our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us or just hang out with us on a Sunday and watch Star Trek, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. Indeed. Well, until next time, I'm Stevie Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Mm-hmm.